Amen. Awesome. Oh, thank you, Dr. Graham. I'm so thankful to be here with you guys today. Um, I want to take a moment, thank North Central for inviting me to be here. As he said, I was a student at North Central University. Um, it feels like it was yesterday. I would sit in that top balcony seating every day for chapel. The first message that I ever actually preached was in Render at North Central. I don't know if you guys still have Render here. It was amazing. I remember being so nervous. My dad came to cheer me on. And I have a lot of cool memories here at this university one of my favorite things, though, is seeing the legacy that has been built and continues to be built here through North Central as they're raising up and equipping young people and sending them out. As he said, my name's Gabby O'Rourke. Um, I'm a youth pastor at River Valley Church at our Shakopee campus. Um, and before I came to North Central, actually, before I was ever a student here, um, I grew up in Prior Lake, Minnesota. That's about 30 minutes south of here. Um, and I actually grew up as a youth student in River Valley Youth. Pastor Chris Bechtel was my youth pastor. He's here this morning. Um, and I loved it. I was the student. I got saved when I was like eight years old, 12 years old, got plugged into youth, did Lake Geneva camp every single summer, loved missions trips, King's Castle in El Salvador. Some of you guys have been there. And so 12 years old, I got plugged into youth. 14 years old, I went on my first missions trip and I felt a call into ministry. And so I went through high school knowing I wanted to do ministry and feeling a call specifically to missions. And so I played soccer in high school. It is the world's greatest sport, even though Shane would say it's basketball, but that's okay. Uh, so I played soccer, loved it, had great friends. And when I graduated high school, I knew I wanted to go out on the mission field. So I did something called Youth with a Mission. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of YWAM before. Hey, that got some cheers. There's some YWAMers in the house. But so I did Youth with a Mission, um, and I jumped right onto the mission field. And you guys, it was amazing. I loved it. I was in Perth, Australia, where I was for three months, and then I was supposed to go to Uganda for three more months to do mission work. And in Perth, we would take this train to this city called Fremantle. It was kind of like a glorified Excelsior, if you've ever been there, on the ocean. And Red Bull would put on surf competitions. And we would eat fish and chips. And kangaroos in Australia are like deer in Minnesota. Those things are everywhere. And you see them all the time. And I was like living this dream. It was amazing. And in living this dream and having this um, experience of a lifetime, I got caught up in what I was doing so much so that I actually got myself into a lot of trouble at Youth with a Mission. And so my husband loves this story because you were not allowed to date in YWAM, right? You weren't allowed to. You wanted, they wanted you focused on missions. And so I found myself hanging out in a group of people me, my best friend in YWAM, and two other guys. And you all know, over time, a group of four people, two guys and two girls, very quickly turns into a group of two people, one guy and one girl. And that is exactly what happened in this situation. And I found myself dating this guy in YWAM a month before I was supposed to go on the mission field. And if that wasn't bad enough, I did not tell my leaders about it. My leaders told me about it and confronted me about it. And before I knew it, 
I was kicked out of YWAM. I was literally asked to go home early from Australia. And I remember sobbing on the phone with my dad, being like, Dad, I have to get a plane ride home in one week. I need you to help me. And in all of his love and support, he was so sweet in that moment. He got me a plane ride home. And when I got home, him and my mom, still in all their love and support, made me call every person who gave me money to do YWAM and ask if they wanted it back because I had wasted their money. And so I come home and I am embarrassed and horrified and it's painful. And it was this really, really awkward experience I went through, but it was so beautiful and so good and so needed for me in the moment. And I look back and I can think to myself, what was I thinking? I was living the dream. I was in Australia. I was watching surf competitions, hanging out with kangaroos. It was awesome. But when I look back, here's what I found I was thinking. I was thinking that I was finally stepping out into my dream of doing missions that I had had since I was 14. And when I was 14 years old and through high school, I had actually romanticized ministry in my head. And I idolized missions within my heart. And so when I got into YWAM, I actually wasn't in YWAM because God called me to YWAM. I was in YWAM to feel like I was doing this thing that I had dreamed about. And what I found is when I stepped into Youth with a Mission, it was more about myself and what I was doing than who I was doing it for. And we can do that a lot, actually, where we can idolize the calling and not worship the one who called us. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning. Because the reality is it's a slippery slope and it's tricky and it's deceptive, but we can fall into the trap of serving God, but not out of our love for God. And we read about this in Revelation 2, 2 through 5. When I read this verse, I don't read it through the lens of God condemning. I read it through the Father heart of God calling the church back to him. And so we see John, he's getting this revelation from God on the island of Patmos. And in that, in the beginning of Revelation, he writes a message that God has given him to seven churches. And we pick it up in Revelation 2, 2 through 5, where he's talking to the church of Ephesus. And he says... I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. You've forgotten your first love. And when I read that verse, I look at a church that was a very prominent church, prominent city. They were doing all the right things. They were saying the right things. They were doing ministry, and God commends them for that. But in that, he says, hey, you're doing the right things, but you've forgotten who you're doing it for. And you see, we can so easily fall into that. I fell into that. Things look shiny and great on the outside. I'm in Australia doing missions. I'm doing the right things. I'm saying the right things, but on the inside, the main thing was not the main thing. Jesus took his place out of the, I took Jesus out of the center of my heart and I placed my calling or my career in the center. And you see students, when I talk about calling, I'm not just talking about vocational ministry. 
I'm talking about business, teaching, your career, your future. You are in such a pivotal time in your life where you are growing and being developed to step into the thing that God has in store for you. In this room, some of the greatest business leaders will rise up. In this room, some of the greatest teachers our educational system has ever seen. In this room, people who are called to minister to the hurting and the broken, to go out on the mission field, to go out into ministry. And can I challenge you, in this season, keep the first First thing first, allow yourself to cultivate a deeper love for God than the love for the title or position you are pursuing. You see, the title and position comes when you pursue the one who has given it to you. What I think is so interesting about this is that Paul says, repent and do the things you did at first. You see, this really strikes me because one generation before this, Paul actually commends the Ephesian church for their love for God. He writes them a letter in Ephesians 1.15 and he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. Ephesians 6.24, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus with an undying love. And we see the Ephesian church, one generation before this, commended for their love for God. And now in the book of Revelation, God's telling them, get back to your first love. Come back to me, church. Come home to me, church. And this strikes me. And it hits a chord in my spirit because I don't want to be a Christ follower that lives off of the momentum and stories of what God has done in the past. I want to be a Christ follower who pursues a fresh call from God, a fresh revelation from God, a fresh move of God now in my life. You see, if we're going to be people who passionately pursue Jesus, then yesterday's devotions cannot sustain today's moment with him. We need a daily fresh revelation. I, Gabby O'Rourke, need a daily fresh revelation. I, Gabby, have to re-fall in love with him daily or my flesh begins to rear its ugly head. And I personally will fall more in love with myself than I fall in love with him. And can I tell you something? It's really easy when you grow up in an amazing church. It's easy when you're a part of this incredible school that has built a phenomenal legacy and continues to build one. Where you have chapel every day and you're in the presence of God every day. And you're with amazing professors who are speaking truth into your life. It's easy to ride the wave of momentum that's happening here instead of chasing after a fresh move of God in your personal life. You see, students, do you want God to do something through you publicly? Pursue him privately. Get passionate about him personally in your individual moments. Chase after him with your whole heart and you will see a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. You see, God exalts people who honor and exalt him. And it's those who chase after the heart of God that receive the anointing of God. The anointing of God, it actually doesn't fall on a specific person. It doesn't fall on somebody who looks a specific part who's the most talented, who's the most well-spoken, who's a specific age or gender or race, the anointing of God falls upon those who are chasing after the heart of God. I love our worship this morning of God, I just wanna be where you are. There is nothing like your love. I love that as we sing those words, it cultivates within our hearts a deeper love and awe of who Christ is. And I love that Dr. Graham spoke about David, King David, when he prayed out of worship. That was actually on my heart to speak to you guys about today. Because you look at David and Saul. David, he was unimpressed with his title of king over Israel. But Saul was. 
Saul loved the title of king over Israel. And you see, Saul is anointed as king, and this beautiful moment happens where David gets anointed at a young age. And in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And can I just speak to this for a moment? We live in a social media filled world and it can be our greatest platform to make Jesus known. But in that, I see that we can compare and look to the right or to the left and we can see amazing things happening, amazing organizations, amazing people, amazing churches, but we can begin to idolize those people, idolize those organizations, idolize those churches and worship those things more than worshiping who God is and being who he created us to be. You see, students, he is not looking for you to look a specific part. He's looking for you to chase after him, to be a man of God that chases after the heart of God. I love when David writes Psalm 63, 1, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David had a hunger, a thirst. He was earnestly seeking the presence of God in his life. But you see, Saul loved his title and position. He loved it so much so that we see in 1 Samuel 18, 7, when he comes back from battle, women are dancing and they're singing and they're praising. I'm saying Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And in that moment, anger and resentment wells up from the heart of Saul. He's being praised for amazing things that he's done. But because he was worshiping his title and his position more than the one who gave it to him, when somebody else got praise, when somebody else got glory, he got jaded. And can I tell you, when we don't keep the main thing, the main thing, when Jesus no longer stays the center of our hearts, it's so easy to slip into jealousy, contempt, anger, resentment, frustration when somebody else gets success and achievement and you don't. I see this in my own life. For me, Gabby, personally, I know that I am off center and not keeping the main thing, the main thing when I fail to love those closest to me when my title and my position is more about me than advancing the kingdom of God, when I can't celebrate and cheer on someone else's success that's doing amazing things, that's when I know that I am off-center. Even then, when that leads me to start doing things and saying things and laughing at things that grieve the Holy Spirit in my life or to hold contempt towards people that are doing great when I feel like I'm not, you see, those are quick pings within my spirit and checks that the Holy Spirit gives me when he's going, Gabby, you've gotten off base. You've gotten off center. And I believe that this morning, out of the loving Father heart of God, he's saying, would you get back on center if you have gotten off center? Would you, fall, would you re-fall in love with me in the glory and awe and wonder of who I am? You see, it's not about your title. It's not about your position. It's about being who God has created you to be out of your love for who God is. Proverbs 4, 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And as the worship team comes up, 
I think about that verse, and I think a lot of times we can look at that verse based off of big rocks of sin we know we're not supposed to fall into. But I believe that when we read that verse, I feel like the Holy Spirit checked me and said, Gabby, guard your heart against the small, deceptive things that can creep up in your life. Guard your heart against pride. Guard your heart against getting so consumed in your future, in your career, and idolizing that instead of worshiping me. Guard your heart over being more consumed with what you are doing than who you are doing it for. Guard your heart. Who is it about? And this morning as I was praying over every single one of you guys, I just felt like God was speaking that he wants to cultivate a deep love for him within individuals within this room. So that as you're being raised up and sent out, the advancement of the kingdom of God is truly about his glory and his kingdom more than it's about your opportunities and your title. And that there would be a generation that rises up declaring the goodness and the love of God, showing others who Christ is. Not so you can step into the next opportunity. Not so that you can step into something that you've just dreamed about forever. But so you can follow God out of your deep love for God. And so we have five minutes left. And with every head bowed and eye closed, I want to take a minute just to pray for you. You see, when I came home from YWAM, I was broken. I was embarrassed. I was humbled. I was hurting. And in coming home from YWAM, I remember being in my room in the presence of God, reading his word, going, God, what did I do? I just ruined my calling. I just ruined my future. I just disqualified myself from being used by you. I felt like I couldn't get back to where he wanted me to go. And in that moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, Gabby, take off the hat of this former identity you've hung on to. Take off the hat of this idol of ministry that you have worshipped. Take off the hat of pride. Take off the hat of hurt and pain and simply put on the hat of a daughter of God and re-fall in love with me again. And as you re-fall in love with me, let me stir your heart. Let me renew your heart. Let me heal your heart. Let me speak to your heart. And can I ask us this morning, can you take off the hat of whatever you're wearing and can you put on the hat of a son and a daughter of God and can we refall in love to the on wonder of who Jesus is in this room and so if you're in here and there's no condemnation there's simply love and I want to ask you if you need to refall in love with Jesus if you need to make the main thing the main thing would you simply slip your hand in the air and I want to pray for you And as you do this this morning, as I pray, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to open up your mouth and speak and say, God, I invite you in. I want you to say, God, would you forgive me for where I've gotten off center, where I've gotten off base? Would you in this moment begin to speak out and lay down any idols, any title, any position, any pain, any pride? And can you simply say, God, would you come? I want to re-fall in love with who you are this morning. Jesus, I thank you for every student in this room. God, for every hand that is raised in full vulnerability, saying, Holy Spirit, I need you. God, I need more of you. 
Jesus, I pray that in this moment we would lay down everything that is hindering us from stepping fully into your presence, anything that has become a block in our walk with you, anything that has gotten us off center and off base. Lord, I pray that we would not romanticize and idolize our careers or our ministry or our calling. We wouldn't worship the calling. God, would we worship the one who called us? Because Jesus, it's about you. It has always been about you. King of kings, Lord of lords, would your presence fall in this moment? And God, would you open up eyes? Would you stir hearts? Jesus, would we re-fall in love with you right now? God, I pray that as David writes, that we would earnestly seek you. God, that our souls would thirst for you. Our flesh would faint for you as in a dry and weary land. God, would our hunger never be able to be full? Would our thirst never be quenched? Would we always strive and long for more of you, Jesus? God, I thank you that you're cultivating in this room a deeper love for you. God, I pray that as we go out of here this morning, Father, that everything we do would come from an overflow of our passion for you, our love for your name, and how in awe and wonder we are of who you are. Jesus, we love you and we worship you and we ask this in your name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. We're gonna move, we're gonna move into a time of prayer and fasting right now. I love that your school is doing this. And can I challenge you and encourage you? If you raised your hand this morning, can you make a decision to stay until you get what you need to get in the presence of God? Can you make a decision to not rush to the next thing, to not rush to the next step that's in front of you? And can I encourage you to just linger in God's presence, to seek him, to pursue him in this moment and allow him to speak to your heart. And so go ahead. You can move into that time of prayer and fasting. If you do have to go, have an incredible morning. Be blessed. I love you guys. Thank you so much for having me today.